Okay, challenge for young people. Okay, I'm going to be talking a little bit about fruit. There's a really fruity fruit quiz coming up as well in just a few minutes, so you're going to have to wait for that. But in the meantime, why don't you see if you can either draw or make some fruit, okay, out of Play-Doh or whatever, and at the end, I'm going to see if I can see who's made some great fruit. Is that okay? Let's see. Let's see if you're up to the challenge. All will make sense in just a bit. Okay, so this week is going to be ever so slightly different to, um, to usual. In that I'm not going to be preaching from this text as such. Today and next Sunday, and possibly the Sunday after the 19th of November, I'm going to be talking about what I think the church, what I think the Spirit, sorry, is saying to the church in the present. And this scripture that we've just read is an example of God speaking to the church through um, through John, through the Apostle John. We believe that, that God speaks to people through Jesus, who's known as the living word, through the written word, the Bible, and also that God speaks to us by the Spirit in the present. And so um, I'm going to kind of share with you some thoughts that I've been having recently, and um, I appreciate that sharing, sharing these kind of discerned thoughts of God is not, it's not just a me job, it's a church job. I've been kind of weighing and thinking about things, but I'd really appreciate you guys to, to hear this and weigh it and think, because it's the, it's the corporate responsibility of the church to weigh uh, the prophetic and to discern. So if you think I'm way off base here, let me know, that's fine. Um, here goes. Around two and a half years ago, some of you will know, that between the diocese, that's the kind of organized church locally, um, All Saints Worcester, which is a church over in, in Worcester, and St. Peter's Church, we'd agreed that there would be a church replant so that a group of people would come from All Saints Worcester to here and to, to kind of help to rejuvenate and revitalize mission in this church. And um, really, we kind of, from, from the moment that I began thinking about this, and the planting team started kind of getting together. There was something for me anyway, I thought, about the literal physical fruitfulness of Evesham that, that spoke to me at a more kind of prophetic level, that something about the kind of farming and the, the, the fruit and all of that was speaking to me about what was going to be going on here. I mean, first, the language of doing a church plant uh, describes something that seems to be about a seed, that you're, you're putting something in somewhere in the hope that it will spring out new life, yeah? Secondly, the very name Bengeworth appeal, uh, seems to have at least agricultural and spiritual meanings, depending on whether you look at the Old English or the Old French. So the Old English, we think... Um, for Bengeworth came from Bene Ward, which means prayer land, Bene like benediction. Um, so it could be that, and there's kind of argument as to which, where it's come from, but it could mean prayer land, which I think is pretty cool, yeah? The, the other one, if you believe the French, which we might, um, is Benning Aorde. Benning meaning coming from like benign, meaning good, um, and Aorde meaning land again. So it could be that it's just good soil, like some people came here they literally tried the physical soil, and they're like, wow, this is really good soil. It's really good land. So maybe it's prayer land. Maybe it's good earth. Maybe God's trying to tell us something in that maybe it's a bit of both. And in addition, as I spoke to a seasoned church planter um, to seek advice on approaching this thing, um, I said, you know, give, give me a gift. Like, what, <laughs> what do I do? I'm going to plant a church. I've not done this before. Um, 
give me a top tip. And she said, Andy, look for the open hearts and inquiring minds. Look for the open hearts and inquiring minds. And I found here in Benjamin, the people of St. Peter's had open hearts. They were basically people that were open to change and open to doing something different, open to receiving a planting team and inquiring minds. The, the more I've spoken to people locally, the more I've met people who are, who are open. You might have noticed that there's a banner at the moment outside of the church, an alpha one, and it says, stay curious on it. And I love that. That's their new kind of catchphrase. And I think there's a lot of curiosity about faith. You know, we're a, we're a strange minority group now, Christians. We're not, we're not, you know, it's not like 60% of people go to church. It's about 2% of people go to church and about less than 1% go to an Anglican church. So we really are, we're in a minority. And I think people find it curious. And so I've been looking for open hearts and inquiring minds. And that led me to the parable of the seed and the sower. You know, which I think actually should be called the parable of the four soils because I think it's more about the soil in some ways. It's about our receptivity to the word. Will we receive the seed of the gospel and allow it to, to, to grow in our hearts? So there's a lot of this kind of agricultural kind of language. And this, this kind of agricultural stuff even made it into our logo. If we can have the logo up here. I've been waiting for ages to um, tell the story. It should... Uh, just be the next slide. Yeah. I've been waiting for ages to kind of tell the story of this because you might have seen this like loads of times and thought, well, what's that about? But this, this logo has got in it some of our thinking, our praying, our discerning as we arrived. Where did it come from? Next slide. So basically what we, what we saw and what we realized as this thing was beginning to form, as God was beginning to bring people together, was that there was the original St. Peter's community, the church here, that was here and they'd been worshipping here for like four or five hundred years in this building for 150. This is the newer building. And that was kind of represented by a shape. And then there was another shape because there was a, this group called Fairfield Church, which was a church which, you know, a church plant locally, which had kind of just lost its shepherd, like sheep without a shepherd. Um, the, the, the pastor had kind of gone. And so we're like, okay, so there's, there's Fairfield Church as well that's coming in the mix. And then there's also other people that are just beginning to gather some of you are those people. And then there's the planting team from All Saints as well. So there's me and Tim and um, Simon and Claire and Debbie and um, the Pettifers. Um, and we, we, we kind of came into this place as well. And so there were these kind of three communities kind of joining together, which make the P of St. Peter's. So it's, it's, it's different, diverse groups of people coming together to form one coherent shape and one church. Why would God be doing this, though? Why would God be doing it? Because God doesn't just bring people together and do things with his people for no reason. That There's purpose behind it. Next slide. And so we had this kind of idea. We're like, okay, maybe the people of St. Peter's, you know, the church of St. Peter's, this new community formed of different, community, uh, different communities will come together, move into this place, Bengeworth, which is represented by this square, um, and begin to transform it and change it. And so initially we had this P kind of inside, inside this square. Next slide. But what we thought is actually what happens is as this community, as this newly formed community comes together and moves into this place, that it begins to actually change and alter Bengeworth itself. 
that it begins to change the shape and make it hopefully more kingdom-like, more Christ-like. And so we've got these kind of rounded kind of corners that the, the P begins to actually adapt and change Benjworth. And Benjworth as a place is transformed. That it's not just about us in here, but it's about the world out there. Next slide. And the, that shape was de- very deliberately and specifically meant to resemble a leaf. That there's something about it that was meant to resemble uh, and, and point to and nod towards the fact that it would be a fruitful, there'd be a fruitfulness about it. In the same way that Evesham, good soil, good fruit, physically, that it would be a place of good soil and good fruit, spiritually. And so that's where I think we're at. I think as a church, I think what God's been saying to me to encourage us is that the soil is being well-conditioned and has been well-conditioned. And I think that actually we're seeing life in our community in a way that we haven't seen for a number of years. And that's no discredit, disrespect to people who've been to St. Peter's for a while. But I think there's a range and a diversity in this church that wasn't there before. And as a result of that kind of, I guess, uh, effort to condition the soil, we're beginning to see, I think, long-lasting kingdom growth. And I think what's indicative of that is Alpha, just last term. We saw five people come to faith. One of them got baptized at a church up the road. Four of them are still regularly worshiping here now. And that is just wonderful. It's wonderful, tangible, eternal kingdom fruit. We're also seeing around 100 new people regularly coming to this church since two years ago. I've kind of made a bit of a list of, like, oh, who's, in, who's part of this kind of community? You know, not all these people are coming every week, but probably every, every week or every fortnight or every month. We're seeing about 100 people in this place that weren't here two years ago. And I think that's really amazing. That's really wonderful that God is gathering people that can kind of invest in the future of this church Can you see how in this season there's something about the long-standing fruitful history of Evesham in the physical realm that's prophetically, I think, telling the story of where we're heading spiritually. And the direction, I believe, is a place of bearing uh, abundant fruit. I think we're at the beginning of a season of fruitfulness. And so, as I said, be really encouraged. Um, On the back of that encouragement, there's one thing that I want to say, and I think that uh, it's a caution to us in this time, uh, and, and it's to beware, I guess, of complacency. Now, if you owned two trees in your garden, and you had one really healthy tree, and it was beginning to bear really good fruit, and you had another tree that was kind of limping along and not really doing very well, which tree would you give the most attention to, naturally? Yeah, the one that's not very well, absolutely. You know, it's our, it's our natural tendency, isn't it? That if something's doing well, we, don't, we can kind of take our eye off it and go, oh, that'll be all right, that'll cope by itself. And I think that this is a bit of a, a, bit of a warning to us, really. Uh, when I was at New Wine over the summer, there was a guy called Glenn Packiam who was preaching one morning, and he said some words that really hit me. He said, you know, when things start to work in church, however you define that, we can easily become less desperate for God. When things start to work as a church, we can easily become less desperate for God. And I think that's so true. You know? And I think things are kind of beginning to work. And that's not, you know, it's all, all credit to the Lord. You know? that's, that, that's all his work. But if we take our eye off the ball and become complacent, just go, oh yeah, you know, let's take our foot off the, off the gas a little bit. It, it's up to us to not take our eye off the ball, to keep the priority, keep the main thing, the main thing. 
But I think this is a trap that we could fall into. And so, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that last week I was standing here telling you about, um, you know, Jesus the true vine and our need to, to stay close to him, to abide with him, to remain in him in order that we can bear fruit. Remaining in Christ is the source of any kind of fruitfulness that we'll see. And as I said, if we don't, we'll end up in this kind of getting trapped in this productivity kind of thing where we're producing stuff that isn't really fruitful. It's just, it's those kind of qualities of works that it says in Corinthians will be burned up. You know, it's like, we'll get there and it's like, oh, actually, (laughs) Andy, that wasn't very useful for me in the kingdom. It's not eternal fruit. And so we want to be growing fruit, not just producing stuff. And if we cease to be dependent upon God and desperate for him, our fruitfulness will be short-lived. And so drawing this together, I've not got time to go into all of this, but I think, you know, over the last few weeks, I've had lots of little nudges, you know, those spirit kind of nudges um, from a scripture, actually several scriptures to a sermon I listened to, to things I've been reading, to some feedback from the Tuesday night prayer group, um, all basically saying the same thing. And that's in a nutshell that we in this season as a church need to be really discerning about what we throw our energy into. Because we can, do, we can do all sorts of stuff and throw our energy into it. But if it isn't of God, we're just going to end up absolutely exhausted. And it's not good. We, we have to be discerning, Lord, where are you telling us to go? Because if God isn't calling us to go there, we don't want to go there. So number one is we need to be cautious about doing things just because they're pragmatic and not because God has told us to do it. And I'm, I'm a pragmatist at heart. So this is really hard for me. So I need you to, you know, Say to me, Andy, this is a great thing that you're telling us, this new initiative. Was it birthed in prayer? You, know, you, can, you can call me on that, so please, please do. Secondly, and this links to the first point, that we do need to press into prayer, discerning prayer. And I'd really encourage you, you know, the, the prayer group meeting on Tuesday nights is a, is, is a brilliant community. It's, it's, it's grown in number. It's kind of like the engine room for church, and I, I take my hat off to everybody that's been involved in that week to week. Um, and is, 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 is like the heartbeat of the church in many ways. And so, you know, do join in with that. Be praying personally for discernment for the church. If you get prophetic nudges or, or wisdom or scriptures that you think is relevant for at this, us at this time, tell me. You know, I'd love it to get to a point where people start bringing words at church and sharing things from the front. And we, we begin to release the prophetic more in this place. And so next Sunday... I'm going to be expanding a little bit more upon some of this um, with some practical priorities for us, things I think we can do practically. Um, There'll be more by way of encouragement and there will probably be more by way of challenge too. But I hope you're up for it. It's an exciting time for us as church. Hold tight. It's going to be an exciting journey.